listening to Belt of Truth, Conversations Arming Laity, powered by the Armor of God Men's Movement. Visit our website at armingmen.com. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and opportunity to just come and speak to you about our passions, our loves. We ask that this conversation be blessed and inspired by your holy words. We entrust all this as we pray together. Glory be to the, the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Welcome, friends. You're listening to The Belt of Truth, and I'm Rob Gregory. I'm here with two friends of mine, Ann Gray and Father Drew Curry. Thank you for being here, guys. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. Good to see you. We're going to unpack a lay movement called Curcio, and I personally have experienced Curcio. My wife has as well. It's been very influential in our family. So I'd like to start with Ann. Ann, tell us a little bit about your journey in Curcio. How did it start for you? I'm going to hold Father Drew Curry responsible for it because um, he was really interested in getting Curcio boosted on the east end of the diocese. It had um, been growing for some time in South Bend, and it kind of reached a point where it had plateaued, and he grew up in a household, which I'm sure he's going to talk about where his parents were involved in it. So he cornered um, myself and my husband, Nick, (laughs) at a Bishop's Appeal dinner, I believe it was 2013. And kind of shared his idea, and he was looking for people in Fort Wayne who would be willing to attend it, because you'd have to go midway to to be part of this. And so I signed up because I tried to be obedient to my priest's suggestions, especially when I consider them Holy Spirit-led, and was able to get a couple friends to attend with me. And we had a couple people within St. Vincent's who actually had come from other dioceses, had moved here, and had gone through Curcio in the Diocese of Lafayette. So they also were a part of encouraging me and being present for that weekend. Yeah. I've heard the name butchered, Crisillo. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody really knows what it is, how, it, how it's pronounced. Father Drew, put some color on What is Crisillo? The word Curcio? Just the movement. Okay, sure. So Curcio is Spanish for short course. And the idea is it's a short course in Christianity. Basically what happened was, it kind of goes back to St. James. It's believed that St. James and his bone he was an apostle and his bones are buried on the northwest side of Spain. And for centuries and centuries and centuries, many people have made pilgrimage walks and, and have created paths to his, his bones, to his tomb. And they call that the way of St. James. And even St. Francis of Assisi walked that path, uh, made that pilgrimage. And in, in the early 1940s, the bishops of Spain said, we need to do a year where, which, where it's like a national year for the way of St. James. And we encourage everyone to walk it. They realized that they needed to have pilgrimage leaders for all these groups and that they needed to have some type of formation for the pilgrimage leaders. And so they came up with a three-day retreat, and it was very powerful, and uh, they called it Curcio. But then after that national year of of everyone making these pilgrimages on the way of St. James, they did a couple more retreats just because they were good. And then this one man named Eduardo Bonin, he uh, was a layman, but he had family members that were like priests and religious. He made a Curcio and really liked it, but he thought to himself, I think that if I kind of added some things to this, it could be really good. Um, he, Eduardo Bonin, 
was someone who wanted to, he understood Jesus in the church and he wanted to evangelize, but he realized that it's very hard to evangelize by yourself. And so he liked the idea of being able to kind of modify the cursillos that were going on in the, in the 40s in Spain, turn it into something a little different. And once he did that, uh, the, curs- the cursillos that we have today are still what he developed because it was so effective. And it sounds like there's a pretty deep history when it comes to this movement, right? I mean, it's, it's yeah. how, old, how old would you say it is? It's, it's been around since the mid-40s. And I think something to remember is that before the Second Vatican Council, the church was very much led by the priests. So in all the different parishes throughout the world, if you were going to go to something spiritual, like on a Saturday morning, day of reflection, everything was led by the priests, which was a wonderful thing. But in the early 1900s, there did start to be kind of a stronger sense, especially in Spain, of the importance of the lay people and that all people are called to be holy and you can be leaders in your faith and be lay people. Anyway, so Curcio became really the first retreat that was basically led by lay people. It had priests and bishops that would be involved, but it was led by lay people. That was a totally new concept. And so when Eduardo Bonin kind of modified Curcio and made it his own and started doing them regularly, it spread fast throughout the world because there was nothing like it. And so it quickly just went to every diocese in the world over the next couple of decades. Yeah. And from my understanding, it was, it was in the Fort Wayne South Bend Diocese a while ago, kind of mm-hmm. lulled down a little bit, and now it, it's coming raging back uh, right before COVID, and you know, the women's curcio was exploding, right? So much so that massive waiting list, multiple weekends, right? Well, let me say this real quick. Uh, I think the first curcio started in this diocese in the 1960s, and probably the most popular Catholic person that made curcio in this area was Ralph Martin. Ralph Martin was a Notre Dame grad, uh, Notre Dame student in South Bend, and I think he was an atheist who I don't know fell in love with the Lord through friends. And I know he made a cursio and was involved, and then was involved in cursio for quite a bit until he discovered what the Holy Spirit was doing in what they what became known as the Charismatic Renewal, and he got involved in that. So he's very he very, he's very much known for evangelization and the power of the Holy Spirit but his roots are Curcio and Notre Dame. Yeah. And how many Curcios have you personally been on? Um, starting with my one in 2014. And, and just so you know, a little background, that at the end of that Curcio, that's kind of when things took a break. There was some reforming that took place. And so in February, no, March of 2019 is when we gave our first official Curcio here in Fort Wayne, it, well, on the Fort Wayne end of the diocese, which was done at St. Felix for the women. My first one was 69. We number these, you know, from the first time. So the women, that was, my first one was 69. So then our first one here was 70, 71, and 72 were the ones that I've been on. And then actually COVID hit and it came to a screeching halt. Right. And and like I was saying earlier, it, there were a lot of women signed up to come to these Curcio weekends, correct? Absolutely. In fact, in 2020, the one that we had in February, we actually had added the February one on because there were so many women on the waiting list that we had a March weekend totally filled. And we're like, we have got to make a February one happen. We had the February one. Thanks be to God. He knew because it shut down and we would have never had a weekend because March was not available. Yeah. 
I made my Curcio in 2013-ish, somewhere around there. And I think it was the fall of that year. We slowly started to renew you know, the men's Curcio slowly. It was kind of like Anne got invited to make a Curcio, but then got put like waiting on the wings, you know, mm-hmm. while the men's was kind of growing. And then eventually the, we were ready for the women's. Once the women started Curcio uh, making these weekends, it just boomed. And it became way bigger even than the men's even though the men's has, has grown. And basically, we were hoping to do five women's Curcio weekends in 2020. So that was how huge things were getting, how exciting it was getting, and then COVID. So well, I love the fact that you talked about how this is a lay-driven movement. And in a season in the church where I think there's an awakening happening with the laity and it's being met with uh, open arms from the clergy, as, as you said, Father Drew, you know, I, I've told people Christ News' parish came to me at a time where I needed it most and brought me to my knees. And Curcio gave me just a level of awareness of my responsibility and my and catechesis that I just had not had before. And it came at the perfect time which obviously the spirit always works that way. I also love when these movements happen where you see the woman and the man go through them at around the same time and the family is on fire. Are you seeing that, Anne, with, with the people that you talk to? Definitely. The, when the spouses can go at similar times, you can see that, unite them. And then because Curcio isn't a movement that stops at the end of the retreat. In fact, it just begins, as as anybody who has been on a weekend knows, the journey is just beginning as you end your retreat. To walk that way with your spouse is is just a beautiful thing. Yeah, Father yeah. Drew, why, why do you think, though, that you said you were going to have five women's weekends uh, this before COVID hit? There, there, were, there was that much demand. Why do you think that, that there's that much interest in that right now? Well, okay, so let me... Th- let me just say this real quick. You know, Curcio started in the 40s and it was blossoming. And you mentioned Christ Jesus Parish. I'm pretty sure that Christ Jesus Parish was actually probably some, probably a priest and some lay people that said, how do we take Curcio and make it kind of shorter to help renew our parish? So Christ Renews does a really wonderful job helping people encounter Jesus and really fall in love with each other in their parish setting. And Curcio... And that's really good, and that fills a special area. Curcio is more of like a diocesan-wide initiative. It's longer, you know. It's it's Thursday night all the way to Sunday. It's just going to have more time for a lot more religious experiences and a lot more talks. And it seems like it's almost like Christ News is perish on steroids, simply because it is. It's just more time. And I think the studies. Somebody once told me that the studies show that in order to really kind of transform hearts and break them open and and really help people be converted to Christ and to choose Him and make to make Him the priority of our lives, you need about three days. You need to be able to get people away from their normal environment. I think that I think that's one of the things is that it's a, the duration helps. You know, it's almost like you're making a pilgrimage. You are leaving. You're not going to see your family for 72 hours. You know, and by getting them away, uh, it works. And so I think people's lives are changed. I will say that a lot of us, so kind of what coincided with Curcio growing was a lot of us discovering the power of the Holy Spirit. So we brought that in a little bit to Curcio, where you have your normal Curcio weekends. By Saturday night, everyone is just on fire. They're falling in love with Jesus more. They've learned a lot. 
they've gotten a new, no new Christian friends, you know. So by Saturday night, when we offer an optional Holy Spirit night, infilling night, healing night, people are just primed and the Holy Spirit just floods them, floods us. People experience God in a tangible way they never knew was possible. Then people just, it's like, it's like Pentecost. It's like a new Pentecost. People just can't help but just go out and bubble over into everything that they're a part of or anyone that they know and just tell people about how great an experience it was. Yeah, and I like how, Ann, you said that the retreat is just kind of the, the kickstart. Curcio is, is a model and a method to live an authentic Christian life after the retreat, right? So the other thing I like about it, and maybe you could talk about this, is the fact that it, you have to be sponsored to go to a Curcio retreat, correct? I mean, you just... It's not like putting a bulletin sign up whenever you want to. You have to really be sponsored by somebody, correct? Right. It's very unique in that way. I think that people have no idea that Curcio exists in, in, in certain areas because if you not aren't around somebody that can invite you or haven't heard of it so that you could ask somebody to sponsor you, and there's a reason for that. It's because um, Curcio is meant for Catholics that are either leaders or have that leadership rising up. That was kind of one of the points of why Curcio was created, so that Catholics could grow in their faith within these weekends and then go out to their environment that they initially came from and call others to to the Christian faith, to the Catholic faith, and raise up more Catholic leaders, which is so desperately needed now. So it's, I think it's providential that it's come back to our diocese during these times. Yeah, and, and you nailed it because that's a perfect segue to where I wanted to go next because Father Drew already indicated that Christ Renews His Parish, which has tremendous impact in many, many parishes, was born from the Curcio movement. And Armor of God, our movement, clearly was born from the Curcio movement. So, I mean, these these things are, are great that this is exactly what, this is designed to do. So Father Drew, talk a little bit about what you see happening with that in terms of other movements being born from Curcio and why that should be the case. Well, I think on a certain level, yeah, Curcio is meant to strengthen the core. You know, the people that are baptized Catholics that can go to communion on Sunday, we need to strengthen those people and, and set them on fire. Spain, where Curcio started, is a really good example of a lot of people, the majority of the population, are baptized Catholics, but yet not that many people go to Mass on Sunday. So it's a good example, Curcio, of being something for baptized Catholics who could go to communion but aren't really involved, you know, to really strengthen that core group of people. There can be different retreats, movements, experiences for many different peoples in different spots in their lives. Curcio's for a specific kind of target audience. I don't really actually know of a whole lot of other things that are born from Curcio. I I do know Christ from News' Parish, this Armor of God initi- initiative. <laughs> And uh, I think Teens yeah. Encounter Christ. <laughs> just, that was, I don't know if oh, you're yeah, familiar with Teens Encounter Christ. That's yeah, where right. I first had my experience of the love of the Lord. And that is totally has so many elements of Curcio. It has to have been birthed from there. Yes. Uh, and so and it's the same thing. Antioch. Antioch is a, is a national thing. Teens Encounter Christ, is that what you said? 
Yeah, th- these are retreats for high school kids. High school kids that are—it's basically a Chrysler News or a, a Curcio. Actually, there is a really popular movement right now called Awakening, which is for college students. So the way it works out is that actually was started by a bishop who was involved in Curcio in Louisiana, Bishop Sam Jacobs, who is a retired bishop. He, a long time ago, probably fifty years ago, was involved in Curcio and thought, "How do we give this to college students?" So they made a retreat for called Awakening. People at Texas A&M thought that looked like a great idea. So they brought Awakening to Texas A&M, and then it, it boomed. And it's been going on there for 50 years. Then it kind of exploded in the Midwest, probably starting about 10 years ago or so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, Ann, talk, talk a little bit about you're a mother and a wife. How does, how does that work for you or other women to have to leave all that at home for like Father Drew said, seventy-two hours, three days. That's a big ask. How how's, how's that work? I have a supportive husband, so I'm really blessed with that. It, it is a long time because, like Father Drew said, it's important to step back. You need to take that time not only to have quiet within yourself, so you can hear the Lord, but so that you can get the distractions of the of what's going on in your typical life away. It is totally worth that. I know not everybody can do that because it is hard. You know, young moms or, you know, depending on what your work schedule is, but I absolutely believe in it. In fact, I don't think that there is a good way to shorten that weekend. And everybody who I have talked to who's gone through Curcio minus maybe one person out of like, you know, maybe the 200 I know who have gone in has totally believes that that method works. And in fact, so much so that when women come, at least I can speak for the women, when they come off a weekend, they can't wait to join team. And that's another part I want I want to bring up about Curcio. When I went through Christ Renews, I was uh, 21 and it was like 1991. I couldn't go on another one once I made team. It was like you attend Christ Renews, you're on team, and then you're done. And I had to wait. And so 1991, all the way until 2014, before I could be on a retreat that allowed me to help and attend more than one time. Yeah. And I think that's the key is the, there are many Catholics seeking this journey and they don't know it's there. And if they had something to plug into a little earlier, they could be infused with that spirit earlier. Father Drew, talk a little bit about the facility that Curcio is being held at now in our diocese, which is down at St. Felix. That's a special place. Yeah, I mean, right when I made Curcio, I think 2013, my first thought was, we got to do this at St. Felix Catholic Center. And it took a while, but we got it down there. So St. Felix Catholic Center in Huntington is a beautiful Franciscan monastery. It used to be. And it was actually built by Archbishop Knoll. So he built a lot of things all over this diocese, and that was one of those things. I don't really, I don't really know the time frame, but Blessed Solanus Casey used to live there for about 10 years in his retirement. It's a beautiful place. It's got the Franciscan spirit. It's got the history of Blessed Solanus Casey. Uh, it's a great place to make a retreat. So you put a curcio with that place, you're just going to have people that are falling in love with Jesus and each other. Absolutely. Um, I, I would personally say we need more Curcios because Curcio is really supposed to be simply an elementary experience. And it's really just to give you some basic tools through through retreats and through through friendship, some basic tools just to make sure that you're developing, you know, through prayer and study and evangelizing these type of things and talking about them with your friends. So we need 
more cursillos, and the St. Felix Catholic Center, in many ways, is filled with many, many different types of retreats. It'd be great to dream up a way where we had cursillos going on all over the place, all the time. That really should be the spirit. And I think that's even maybe what Eduardo Bonin was wanting, was cursillos all over the place, all the time. And it's not that cursillo is the the goal. It's the idea that it's it's an on-ramp to get people to make Jesus the number one priority of their lives. People can make cursillos, they can get involved in them, the retreats, the friendship groups, like just like Armor of God. Some people are just going to spring forward into some other thing. And so we need people on cursillos so that the Holy Spirit can then do these other things he wants to do that we don't even know yet. Yeah, it's well said. That's perfectly said. And talk a little bit about what what it was like when you got home after you did your cursillo and, and what what work did you have to do in your household and your marriage and with your kids? Because you're, you're on fire. You've just learned a lot. What's that like? I think where I really grew from Curcio, I would have to say, is not until I went on team. That really kind of lit the fire in me because there were a lot of people that I was already a part of their lives that had participated in that weekend. So when I came home, it was like living my, my faith joyfully around my family and then taking it where I work at my parish school and, and bringing it into the school and, and being able to show the love of the Lord. And there were teachers that had made Curcio that, that attended there. These connections of faith and friendship have changed my life as far as being a mom, as far as being a wife, because having my, they're called groupings, and, and you form them once you go on a Curcio. Having that friendship and fellowship take place that helps me grow in my faith automatically helps me be a better mom and a better wife, a better daughter, better sister. All those things have happened because of Curcio, not just because of what happened on the weekend, but what we take from there. And part of that is the ongoing meeting with these, as, as Father Drew calls them, friendships groups. We call them groupings. They hold me accountable and they encourage me and they uplift me and give me the opportunity to do that for my Christian sisters. Yeah, there's no shortage of mountaintop experiences in the Catholic Church, you know, retreats, um, you know, big moments, God moments. But I think where we all struggle is what happens when we when we come down off that mountain. And and I just want to say there's just no question that the Curcio model is the most sustainable model to, to keep that going and is absolutely essential for people who go through that to, to maintain that. And I think it's brilliantly designed in that regard. Father Drew, there, there are plenty of priests that come on the Curcio retreats in the weekends. Mm-hmm. I was struck by how I had heard, I, I did four total uh, Curcio weekends. I was struck by, even though I thought I knew what was coming up next on my second, third, and fourth, the, the, the communication, the presentation, the talks were different and because they were given by different people. And talk a little bit about how that's designed. I mean, because there, there's a, there's actually a process for that, correct? Yes. The talks, there's probably, I, I don't want to give too much away, yeah. but the idea is, you're right, the model is is great. There's no there's no need to tweak it. It's uh, The thing that really makes it dynamic is usually for every weekend, there's just different people giving different talks. And you have all these new people making the weekend, and so there's just so so much newness by getting excited about who's there, you know. Without giving too much away, there are talks by priests or deacons or religious brothers or sisters or lay consecrated people, and there are talks given by the laity who have made Curcio. 
I remember when I made Curcio, I was like, because I didn't totally understand the inner dynamic of it. So even when I'm sitting there as a priest at the Curcio, I'm like, okay, this would be really good. Maybe we could get this guy who gives talks nationally to come in. You know, you know, a retreat like that would be great where you bring in national speakers and stuff. But what we, what becomes really great in Curcio is that you just have people on the local level who normally maybe aren't really the greatest evangelizers themselves. They're, they don't have their own podcasts and they don't have their own YouTube channels, but you put them all on the same team and then they can do dynamic evangelization by each having a little talk and, or being a table leader. And there's different roles. That's the most important thing. Yeah. And that's why you can continue through the process and the journey and it's not just stuck on one team, you're done. There are many, many different roles and different ways to yeah. see the weekend, correct? Yeah, you can be you can be the curcio leader for that for that retreat. You could be the assistant. You could give a talk. You could be a table leader. You can be a work a, in the a gopher type yeah. of person. Work in the kitchen. You know, I'm sure it can be developed into other things too, like sacristans and everything. Yeah, there's different roles. People get really excited about them. Well, again, I, I need to underscore that it's essential uh, for those that haven't gone um, to, to, to give this a shot. You need to seek people out and, and find that. Um, and Father Drew, do you have one more thing you want to say? Yeah, well, I think what, I think if I could say something is, one, we need a lot of cursios all over the place all the time. Another thing I think we need is all priests were involved in cursio throughout the whole country. You know, if every diocese had a great curcio and it was just expected that the priests were involved, knowing that the little bit of involvement that they have goes a long way in participating in the whole. The lay people really like to see that some of the younger priests or some of the, you know, priests that are really strong leaders, that they're coming around. You know, they don't have to be there the whole time. But it'd it'd be great just to kind of have a stronger sense of from the presbyterate probably all over the country, that this needs to be a part of the elementary evangelization going on everywhere all the time. Yeah. Some dioceses, maybe not right now, but in the past, required seminarians to go on a cursio before getting ordained, which that creates a little bit of complications based on how well the weekends are going and everything. But I'm almost a supporter of that type of idea, that before people are ordained, they need to know this, uh, they need to have these type of, an ex- of experiences of Christ and know that this is the kind of thing that they need to be a part of. Yeah, that's great. And I ask all, all of our guests this last question. Are you hopeful? I am super hopeful. Curcio has lit a fire in our diocese. It's spreading back to South Bend. We've had some some people come from South Bend to make Curcios, which is, is awesome. They want to bring it back there. The women in our diocese, it's like we have a whole family the whole group of sisters now, that's the beautiful thing, is like we used to have parish boundaries. And Curcio, because it is a, a movement of the whole Catholic Church, there's no boundaries. So um, we call each other Curcistas. So I may meet somebody across the table from me that is from a different city and find out that that person is a Curcista, and I, I automatically have that bond with them. Anytime God's family grows in that way, I mean, there's nothing you can be but hopeful. Yeah. Father Drew, are you hopeful? Very hopeful. Just to bounce off of that, the person that is leading the next men's curcio lives in South Bend. So in many ways, it's a big Fort Wayne experience right now. But you're right, South Bend's getting involved and and jumping into leadership. And am I hopeful? Uh, Of course. Uh, You know, Paris Boundaries, it's a funny thing. Paris Boundaries still exist, but not so much that people have to go to church exactly in that Paris Boundary. But it is really helpful for the priest in the parish to know, 
exactly the area that they are supposed to evangelize. And so one of the cool things about that is in a parish, we have parish boundaries, so we know, okay, this is the area. What are we going to do? You know, But on the diocesan level, Curcio is a great way for us to say, we've got this whole diocesan boundary that we need to Christify. And how are we going to do that? Well, Curcio is a big help to Christify the whole diocese. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Father Drew, thank you both for all the service that you're doing in this lay movement. It is setting souls on fire. I've seen it. Uh, I've felt it. And I want to thank you both for everything that you're doing. And thank you both for being here today with us. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. You've been listening to Belt of Truth, powered by the Armor of God Men's Movement, located in Fort Wayne, South Bend Diocese in Fort Wayne, Indiana. For more information about Belt of Truth and Armor of God, visit armingmen.com.